everything, brothers and sisters? How are you today? Last few days have been very interesting. Yeah, because uh, on Sunday I gave an exercise uh, for for the students in the SGC group that when they meditate to pose a check-in, yeah, either with me or in the chat group. Yeah, so it. <laughs> quite a bit of a, a positive reinforcement. Yeah. Everybody uh, see others you know, posting in their, their meditation check-in. Yeah. Some check-in 15 minutes, some 10 minutes, some 5 minutes, some half an hour, some 40 minutes. Yeah, but, and, and, and various timings. Yeah. Uh, hey, did I give you all this exercise? So you all can join in also. You all can join in this exercise. You all, you understand what, what it means? What it entails? Yeah, it basically means that uh, either we create a separate chat group for this IFA, yeah, or you all can just be added into the group cultivation. Yeah, then after that, you will see people checking in. And they will basically say, Shifu, meditating for 10 minutes now. So it's actually not just to tell me, yeah, but so you know everybody get into it. Uh, so I thought this was something quite embarrassing. Uh, so yesterday, after class, uh, by the time I reached back, it was about ten plus. Uh, then before I reached back, I really thought, okay, I must check in, you know, uh, as well, because I told them, you know, we're in this together. Yeah. Not just to put out to meditate, then to just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So I put out there, okay, 16 minutes to wrap up the day. Yeah, then, <laughs> unfortunately, after going back, then do this, do that, what, procrastinate until quite late. I won't tell you how late. <laughs> I said, ah, oh, tomorrow I still have to go, which is this morning, I still have to go for, go to do a home visit for an elderly uh, devotee. Yeah, she, she she's, She's uh, quite ill, <coughs> but she wished to take refuge. So I said, ah, but tomorrow morning still have to go over. I thought, no, I already checked in. <laughs> so I must do it one hour. Then <laughs> uh, this morning, because of the timing of everything, I was like, ah, only managed to squeeze in half an hour. Yeah, but then I realized that, yeah, the, the intent was not so much the duration, but it's about committing to this practice together. Yeah. Committing to it. Yeah. So the, the first thing I spring out of there was, okay, let's just sit down and talk in the hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reminds me of the, uh, the time in US where every day, without fail, 
everybody would just go to the hall and just meditate. Yeah. So we are having a virtual monastery across Singapore. Yeah, so those, for those who are interested, send me a text. Uh, if you if you want to, you can uh, I can give you I will send you the link. Send me a WhatsApp, then I'll send you a link. Then you can just click on it and get added into the the chat group. Yeah, uh, then you can get into this yeah group of uh, cultivation. <coughs> Okay, so uh, we are now at page 9, uh, the matter concomitant for Siang. We have gone at length, yeah, uh, perception or ideation. Mm. So uh, before I forget, uh, so if some of you already have my contact, some of you are already in the chat group. For those who would like to be added, uh, send me a text at this my number nine one seven seven two two eight four. Yeah, then I'll send you the link, and then you can get started. Yeah, and and the whole point is not how how long yeah, you meditate. Then you realize that yeah, it's very doable. Someone just clock in five minutes here, ten minutes there. Do you have five minutes? Have everybody have five minutes, you know? Yeah. And and it's it's, it's about getting started, you know. I just do five minutes here, five minutes there. Okay. So then the, the next one si, Si, uh, number five. Yeah. Mm. So this word itself, uh, in common usage today, we tend to look at it as like si kao, yeah, and so on. Yeah, to think. It's like, hey, that's quite similar to xiangma. Is that what is the difference? Mm. Let's look at the text. Weiling so this is the part about the function of the mind where it uh, it is it um, it is what we call uh, chetana or volition yeah? that intent behind our actions that intent that drives us to do this, to do that. Yeah. Or to do this or to do that. Yeah. So it's linked to uh, the thinking process. In a way, you can say that it's a combination of that thinking process up to the point where you decide. Uh, you decide. Uh, you, you, you see an advertisement in Facebook. Uh, you see, uh, easy buy, wow, got this sale, Lazada, that's this sale, yeah, Taobao, wow, now that's this and that, that's uh, this, 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 So after seeing, then you have, after you see, then you have contact, then with contact, then there's feeling, yeah. But it doesn't stop there. Then from the contact and the feeling, you have perception, 
Then from perception, you have rumination. Then maybe after that, it leads to the first kind of action, yeah, which is to think some more. Yeah. Yeah. Then beyond that, then maybe you share. Yeah. All these are action, you know. Yeah. It's not just about, oh, go and buy, then that's, that's action. Yeah. It's not that intent is only with very um, obvious actions, then it's considered intent. Yeah. Even when you have the intent to share, intent to think further, yeah, all this is intent. Yeah, all this are intent. Yeah. So, the nature of this uh, particular um, mental concomitant yeah, of volition is that it drives the mind to act. Yeah. It pushes, not just the mind to move forward, yeah, move forward, to do something, to do what? Yeah, so it, it nudges the mind to go towards uh, doing things such as wholesome or unwholesome. Yeah, not just the mind forward. Yeah, so basically this yeah, is to drive yeah, to drive the mind to drive the mind through the whole process of rumination thinking yeah, linked together then slowly slowly until the point ah, okay, come to a conclusion mm, bye Facebook, you see your friends go on a trip, wow, so interesting, then you have a feeling, then you have a perception, then you think, and think, and think, until mm, send him or her a message, hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, throughout our day, this process is always happening also. Yeah, always happening. Mm. So this, this volition, it's not simply about when we take physical action, it's not simply about uh, that. For us to speak, you need to have volition also. To think further, you also need that volition. Yeah? To veer towards wholesomeness and wholesome, you need volition. Yeah? So it's not simply about uh, only when you are starting to act that we talk about volition. Yeah? Because when we talk about karma, karma is action. How many kinds of karma? Many different categorization. One of them is the three kinds of karma: wholesome, unwholesome, neither wholesome nor unwholesome. Yeah. All these kind of action. Then further, in terms of different categories, there's also body, speech, and mind. Yeah, body, speech, and mind. Yeah. So not just body and speech, but the mind also. So here, to do a sequence. This is what we call the universally active. Universally active. Uh, so previously, I've mentioned before about how 
if we consider the this this few uh, this few mental concomitants, in terms of many of the lineages of cultivation, then um, at one level, at one level, it is to minimize contact. At one level, it is to minimize contact. Yeah, so very prominently, all the Buddhist tradition uh, advocates going for retreats. Yeah, going for retreats. Yeah, uh, for different duration. Some may go for a one-day retreat, some three days, some ten days, some three months, and so on. Yeah. So the purpose of going for retreats is to, first of all, just block off the contact. Mm. But it's not meant for long-term as well. Yeah. But through that separation from the contact between ourselves, between the senses, I, yes, nose, tongue, body, and mind, contact with our usual objects. Yeah. The usual objects that give rise to uh, the sensual desire, give rise to defilements, give rise to all sorts of things. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to match our cultivation with the, the, the different parts of our mental makeup, uh, it's directly related. Yeah. So, uh, having done that, but that's not all. Yeah. So, uh, when we say cut off contact, uh, you cannot do it permanently also. Yeah. So, the Buddha gave the teaching on guarding the sense doors. Yeah. Guarding the sense doors. And when it comes to guarding the sense doors, it is not simply cutting off contact. If you cut contact, there's something we cut. You could also say that guarding the sense doors means that you don't anyhow come into contact with uh, the sense objects that can give rise to desire, give rise to unwholesomeness. Another angle to guarding the sense doors is that when you come into contact, to, to be watchful. If you come into contact with objects that used to give rise to sensual desire, give rise to unwholesomeness, then to watch and to make sure that unwholesomeness do not arise. Yeah. To make sure that unwholesomeness do not arise. So then there are different practices to counter those, uh, those side effects. Yeah. If you, for example, <coughs> uh, how many days leave do you have every year? Maybe some of you have 14 days, some of you have 17 days. Teachers, do you all still have 21 days? No more. How many days do you all have in the year? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the, the school wants to give you. Wow. No more 21 days leave. Let's say you are on not so good terms with one of your colleagues. 
Yeah. Uh, then once in a while you cannot take it already. So you take leave. Yeah. Maybe go for a retreat. Uh, then you go to the retreat. Uh, <laughs> then you are, you experience nibbana from the from the colleague. But um, as long as you are still working, your leave is finite. Then you must go back to work. So then when you come in contact, how? Oh, then you again blow up. And then blow, 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 blow until, or hold back, hold back, oh, oh, until you cannot take it. Ah, oh, okay, I must take leave, I must go for holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's what some people do. Yeah. No crime and shame. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not enlightened yet. Uh, but another approach is, when you take leave and go for retreats, yeah, for that matter, um, you don't work 24 hours, isn't it? So even for normal days, you're not looking at your colleague uh, every single moment of the day. Yeah. So when you're not at work, you're at home, uh, then there's a time to do repair. Yeah. There's a time to do uh, reprogramming of your mind. Yeah. Uh, so the Buddhist approach is, <coughs> Initially, when your the tendency for unwholesomeness, for defilements to arise, when it's too strong, uh, the moment you come in contact, it arises. Then you must quickly reduce contact. But over time, in the long term, this is not the solution. Yeah, it is that our mindset, the way we relate to the object or the person. When we say object, I don't mean just about inanimate objects. It covers the whole range. It includes human, it includes uh, events, yeah, uh, and so on. Yeah, a whole range of uh, interaction. Okay. It is about relating to them differently through wisdom. Yeah. Uh, as my my ordination teacher would put it, uh, we don't use our own mindset to look at things, look at people. We look at, we still look at it, but through the lenses of the Dharma. Yeah, we borrow the wisdom of the Buddha and then take a look at it again. And as we do this over time, then we start to see something different. We start to see something different. Then, even though you come in contact, the old feelings don't arise. Yeah. And new feelings don't arise also. Come with a new experience. Yeah. The old feelings don't give rise to defilements. Yeah. Don't give rise to that kind of desire or unwholesomeness. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about the volition, chitana. Yeah. So if by the time you you have that intent, it's a bit late. Yeah. Usually it's quite in the whole process really. Uh, you may um, you may have observed this <coughs> prior to getting upset. Prior to getting upset. Mm, if you ask people who get upset, when they get upset, uh, can they stop it? 
most people would say they cannot quite stop it. Sometimes can, sometimes cannot. Some people may even tell you that, I don't know what happened, I just, you know, that person said something and I just snap and gone. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, I just, it just tipped me over. But in fact, you all can try observing. Yeah, but observe yourself and not others. <laughs> yeah, unless you can read minds. Okay? And how many of you can read people's minds? Cannot, uh, okay. If you can, then you can try observing people's mind and compass their mind uh, as the Buddha described it. And uh, uh, the Tathagata would encompass the bhikshu's mind. And then by encompassing the mind, uh, sees that has all these wholesome, unwholesome qualities and so on. But if you cannot, then you only have one playground to play with, your own mind. You may observe this, that prior to the the arising of defilements, especially for anger, there's usually a series of discursive thoughts. Repetitive discursive thoughts, where this, our mind kind of spin a bit out of control. Yeah. In Chinese what we call zuan yu jiao jian. This is what I observe. So, the, the incident that get people to blow up is just the, the final straw. <laughs> yeah, it's just the catalyst. Prior to that, there were probably a series of incidences. And like it or not, sometimes our culture don't help. Our culture usually uh, discourages us from uh, discussing issues. So, we tend to, when there's something that you know, get to us. Our culture tend to be ah, look, ah, ayah, swana, swana. <laughs> yeah. Tend to be like that. Uh, if if it's really such that you are okay with it, then no no issue. The trouble is on the surface we are sort of expected to yeah, just be okay with it. But inside what happened? As long as there's the contact, there's there's that attention to it, there's feeling, uh, there's the experience, it is unpleasant, then we tend to hold on to that. And then we tend to form an idea about it. And we tend to think about it. Yeah. And then we tend to mix, start to make more and more stories about it. This is the process we need to deal with. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, as long as you don't deal with this part, then uh, it will culminate to what we call anger, culminate to what we call greed. Yeah. Uh, delusion is, is, is the whole process. Huh? <laughs> In a way, it's the whole process. Yeah. Uh, ah, yes. Did you all do the exercise from last week? Yeah, this is the this is a favorite response. Huh? What exercise? Uh, do, you, do you remember the, 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 the thing I mentioned last week, Sifu mentioned last week, about observing the neither painful nor pleasant experience? You don't remember? You cannot remember, right? Uh, it's okay, don't worry. Maybe for many, many lives, uh, we have been having this conversation. 
maybe in some lives you all are sitting here, I'm sitting there. Then you remind me, then this life I remind you. <laughs> so just take it as a reminder. <clears throat> but don't just stop there. Uh, I want you to just do this exercise now. Okay? Don't don't suddenly pause it properly like that. Just however you are sitting. However you are sitting, I want you to just observe your whole body. Okay? Observe your whole body and be keenly aware of how the whole body feels. Is there any part of the body that is not so comfortable? If there is any part that is even slightly uncomfortable, try taking a closer look. Just, just going there to take a look and observe what's going on there. There's no parts of the body that is uncomfortable. Just find some part of the body where you can actually observe the feeling. Like for example, as I'm sitting here, and it's almost quite magical. I talk out with them, I just stop myself. Feel my whole body going in a rhythm like, like almost rocking, you know, but it's very subtle and it's actually the breathing process. That's so, I mean, if you are, if you actually have your eyes open, you'll see me like Sasha. <laughs> and so I can feel a bit of my back. I'm not sitting perfectly straight. So there's a bit mild pressure, but it's not painful. Not yet anyway. I can feel my hands against my body. And 
then the hands overlay on each other. My foot one on each side. So as far as physical sensation or feeling is concerned, there are all this that's happening. Take note of just one of them and just zoom into them and just totally pay attention, pay close attention to that bodily sensation. It may be as trivial as our hands stacked on top of each other, that contact. It is neither painful, or is it in any way what we call pleasant? Just being aware of that. And then in turn, as we anchor our mind in that way, Consider how we feel in the mind that while we remain anchored on the feeling that is neither painful nor pleasant, the mind is not drawn in this way or that way as well. Throughout the, the whole day, try this. Occasionally, just whatever you are doing, just come back to the to the body and observe what's happening there. Yeah, try to observe what's happening there. Then from there, observe the state of your mind. What's happening there? 
Now don't try to run and look for something. <laughs> the mind is quite quite tricky. If you try to look for something, then you may find it, <laughs> even if it's not there. In the human realm, uh, we have the luxury of experiencing uh, neither painful nor pleasant experiences. And for the most part in Singapore, uh, a lot of times throughout the whole day, we're experiencing that. But because that doesn't draw our attention, So the tendency is the mind then starts to wander about. Sometimes there may be good reasons for our mind to wander to the future. Sometimes we may ponder about the past. Yeah. But the moment we do this, then we, we lose our bearings. We lose track of what's happening. Then before you know it, as we wander into the future, ponder about the past, and while you are in the midst of doing that, uh, it's hard to detect when uh, the mind starts to veer towards unwholesomeness. Because then you are swimming in the, in the movie reel watching a movie, you know, when you're thinking about the future and the past. Yeah, so, as often as you can, yeah, a few times a day, just come back and observe, what's going on there? Uh, when we meditate, observing the breath, uh, for the most part, it is neither painful nor pleasant. Yeah. I have to start somewhere. I have to start there. Then, over time, you become more and more familiar, more and more familiar with this, the way the, the mind and the body is. Okay. Second section. Ye Jing Xin Shuo. Do you all have the other set of the reference notes? Can you all read, to, read out what is the title in the reference notes? Uh, in a way, it's in contrast to the first category where uh, 
it is not specific. Yeah, then whenever the, the consciousness arises, then the first five mental concomitants will arise. This one is is unique, is specific to certain scenarios. And then they arise. And then they arise. So, so uh, there are five of them as well. So desire, then supreme understanding, mindfulness, concentration, and uh, you can call it the last one can be wisdom or discernment. Yeah. So these five, these five arise uh, in different scenarios, uh, in very specific scenarios. They don't just anyhow arise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's why it's uh, so concentrated. That's why they are a specific kind of mental concomitants with respect to specific conditions, specific uh, scenarios. So, five concentrations are not like concentration so unlike the previous one, the previous one in various scenarios, uh, they will arise. Yeah? In different different scenarios, the first five that we have gone through, uh, they will come into action. Yeah? They will be active. These following ones, they are active only in certain scenarios. Uh, under certain uh, specific conditions, then they arise. So, uh, in in the five, there are five different names here: Suolajing, Jiadingjing, and so on. So these are the five different scenarios or conditions through which desire, supreme understanding, mindfulness, concentration, and I'm going to just use uh, wisdom here for a start. Yeah? Wisdom may arise. Yeah? So, the next part. Dan zhe wu fa, bu shi jue fei bu neng ju shi shen qi, you shi bu ju, you shi yi ju. So, these five, they have their own specific scenarios. But certain scenarios can trigger more than one. So some of them can arise together as well. Yeah. So under some conditions, yes, some conditions, no. Oh. <coughs> so the first one, desire. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the Pali term for this is chanda. Yeah. The usual term for desire is tanha, or craving, yeah, or desire. Uh, but so... Um, the, the difference is here uh, the English translation is also desire Chinese translation is yu which is basically desire 
and it's specific to. Um, so there are, there are two types. Uh, one is desire for worldly worldly things, worldly sensual pleasure. The other one is desire towards um, towards uh, wholesomeness. Yeah. Desire towards wholesomeness. So chanda is desire towards wholesomeness. Yeah. Desire towards uh, cultivation, towards enlightenment. Oh. So. So this is the opening verse. With respect to uh, the the scenarios or the objects that we find delightful. Uh, so desire function with respect to such a scenario, such a, an object. Sivang uh, Weising. Yeah, the nature of it is uh, a sense of longing. Qing Yi Its function is to serve as a support, as a dependent dependency for uh, effort. Yeah. If you if you find that you have uh, you are lacking in effort, it means that you haven't find the goal desirable enough. Make sense, huh? Yeah. Uh, so, for example, if you have uh, children, and then your children do want to study, why? Because the goal, the, the whole process of studying is not so de- desirable, <laughs> not so delightful. Yeah. So that's why they don't put in effort. But you don't have to. When you come back home and you talk to your children, you don't have to tell them, "Hey, boy." Have you played games today? Do you remember to play games? You don't have to ask them. Yeah? <coughs> they automatically remember to play games. Why? Because they find it delightful. They, they, are, they have desire for it. Yeah? Uh, similarly at work, if you have uh, subordinates, uh, how many of you are in charge of a team or some individuals reporting to you at work. The rest? Or maybe some of, regardless of your position, all of us have to probably report to somebody. Even the boss has to report to customer, (laughs) in a way. So if you take yourself as an example, or you take your subordinate as an example, uh, so this is related to uh, management theory. Uh, how to motivate your staff? <laughs> yeah. Of course, in the worldly speak, then we talk about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. <coughs> now here is basically saying <coughs> the goal, the activity itself. If you find it desirable, then you automatically put in effort. So what do bosses do? Uh, bosses either give you uh, give you more pay, yeah, give you more pay, compensation, and you find it desirable to work, or they give you recognition, yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, every half year, then they will give some award, 
just a piece of paper <laughs> they put in the photo frame. And then, but because you get to go up the stage and everybody come, uh, and because it came as a surprise, then you're like, whoa! Yeah, then your boss in front of everybody say, I want to comment on so and so. Yeah, for the last quarter, I tell you, he has, he or she, yeah, has exhibited something that I've been looking for. That kind of self, self-sacrificing. Um, you know, vigor. Yeah. Not more than once, not more than twice, but three times, four times, he went out of his way yeah, to make sure that uh, the customer was blah, 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 hold, wah, that you, wah. Yeah. In corporate speak, we call stroking your feathers. Yeah. But it works for some people, it doesn't work for some people. Yeah. Usually those who have been working for many years, you can jade that really. Ah, yeah, yeah. Never give me bonus then. <laughs> yeah. Usually if you get those awards, you're probably not getting your bonus. <laughs> or not getting a big bonus. Yeah. If you're getting a big bonus, don't have to praise you so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, jokes aside, uh, different people have different management style. So how? In this case, uh, if we talk about spiritual goal, how? Do you only sweep food to praise you? Wow, good job, meditate, good job. But in a way, that, that's why Sufu created the, the group chat thing. Uh. Yeah, because until we are enlightened, or I should say, even before enlightenment, if, if for example, you attend Dharma class, and then you, you learn something, then help you change your mindset. And because of that change mindset, you experience a different kind of happiness that you have never experienced before. It helps you to, oh, become uh, released from the kind of uh, emotional or mental burden. Yeah. Maybe not complete release, but just a bit. Uh, even if it's just a bit, it will give you that, ah, wow, this is wonderful. Yeah. Then, you see, you don't need people to call, hey, how come you don't come for class? Uh, you automatically want to attend class. My teacher, he once commented, uh, yeah, some students say, oh, when can we uh, have solitude retreat? When can we stay by ourselves and practice? So he said, yeah, you can do that anytime. But uh, safer if you have attained at least uh, what we call Wei Tao Di Ding Access or neighborhood concentration yeah. Meaning that you have meditated Initially when you meditate If you immediately say Oh I want to meditate by myself A bit difficult Maybe for one whole day you can do that Meditate, meditate, meditate Tomorrow wake up Meditate, meditate, meditate The next day wake up Meditate, meditate Fourth day I am quite tired <laughs> Then the next day, I uh, already yesterday rested, I am uh, a bit lethargic. Next thing you know, one month later. But if you have reached excess or neighborhood concentration without eating, that means you are near to first jhana. Even before you reach first jhana, you experience some bliss. Ah, 
are some benefit. It's actually very practical, very realistic. If you meditate for 30 years, no, not 30 years. If you meditate for 3 years, no, not 3 years. If you meditate for 3 months, 3 months, is it fair? No. You meditate for 3 days. If you don't get any results after 3 days, you think you still want to meditate? Okay, uh, is it fair to, to say after 3 days you don't get results, you don't meditate? It's actually not so fair, isn't it? 3 days you don't get results. But a lot of people really give up after 3 days. <laughs> And that's, that's the challenge. How to persist beyond three days, beyond three weeks, yeah, beyond three months. Yeah, because you need to reach that, that critical mass. Yeah. Once you hit that critical mass, then you start to enjoy the sitting. Then desire for sitting comes. Yeah. Whether it's sitting meditation, or chanting, or attend dharma, attending Dharma class, yeah, or going for afternoon tea, yeah, or work. Some people are, you know, if you look at them, they look like they are alcoholic. Uh, no, workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> workaholic. Yeah. Uh, it's because they found some satisfaction. And I tell you, as much as we may think money is always the factor, many workaholics, they may not be the highest paid in the company, you know, it says that they derive their own satisfaction. They feel high with doing finishing the work. Yeah, so then the boss don't have to give them so much pain. <laughs> own motivation. Go, go. Yeah. So So uh, the 与一切事，凡事欲观察的，嗯，存有希望，便有欲生。So with respect to anything, yeah,与一切事，呃，凡事欲观察的，so uh, whatever that you desire to observe, yeah, that means. Of all the things in the world, whichever that you desire, you de- desire to go and observe, to go and see, to go and come into contact with. Then, for example, then there will be that, that desire, that longing, that wish. And then from there, you culminate to the full blown desire arising. Actually, a lot of the explanation, as we read through, you'll find that, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, because desire, uh, that's our forte. Yeah, correct enough. Uh, for for, uh, for unenlightened beings, uh, this is our department. Yeah, yeah, we are all in this department, department of desire. So if if whatever you are coming to contact with, uh, there's no internal desire for that thing. Yeah. 
it is not desirable to you, in other words. Then, even though you are quite in contact, but what happened? Xing Sui Jing, Ren Yun Although the mind, when you come in contact, it does has interaction, but but as you interact, the more you interact, the, the desire, even if there was, yeah, it's just gone. Yeah. So then the next part is the interesting thing, the distinction between the different types. So, so desire, desire is um, active uh, with respect to the different types whether it's wholesome, unwholesome, or neither wholesome nor unwholesome. Yeah. Wholesome uh, scenarios, you can also have desire. Unwholesome uh, scenario, we also can have desire. Neither wholesome nor unwholesome, you can also have desire. Yeah. So here, 若善法欲能发正情 so, if it's the wholesome scenario, wholesome object, then the desire that arises is what? So, if it's desire towards uh, wholesome dharma, wholesome qualities or cultivation, like for example, the example of uh, doing meditation, uh, then then you can give rise to right effort. Right effort. Uh, so, of course, if we say that there's right effort, there's wrong effort also. <laughs> yeah, there's wrong effort also. What is wrong effort? Right effort is don't eat dog poo. Remember the dog poo and the chocolate? You can remember? Uh, if you cannot remember, uh, we have to look for a dog pool. <laughs> so wrong effort is don't eat chocolate, eat dog pool. <laughs> of course, in real life we don't do that. Yeah. But in our spiritual life we, we keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, we keep shoving dog poo in our mouth. <laughs> okay. So so, from the right effort, then it gives rise to all the wholesome dharma. All the wholesome things arise from this right effort, which is with respect to uh, the desire uh, that comes about due to wholesome dharma. Yeah. So usually when we say uh, diligence yeah, or effort, you're talking about right effort. So here, these five is all about the wholesome parts. Yeah. So the, 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 the whole description is still quite generic. Yeah. In a way, it's generic. It can apply to unwholesomeness, can apply to wholesomeness. But as far as the wholesome quality uh, of of uh, desire towards uh, cultivation, then it is talking about 
this same mechanism with respect to uh, wholesome scenarios, yeah, such as cultivation of uh, the different perfections, uh, cultivation in terms of uh, whether it's meditation or learning Dharma and so on. Yeah, all the wholesome ones. Mm. Uh, but take note, uh, here the, the bulk of the description can apply to unwholesomeness also. Yeah, can be applied to unwholesomeness also. Uh, if it's applied to unwholesomeness, then uh, the desire, same mechanism. Yeah. You desire for unwholesomeness, yeah. then uh, when you come into contact, a desire arises. Desire arises, then you latch on, and then you crave for more. Yeah. And then it becomes the, the support the condition for uh, wrong effort. Wrong effort. And then what will happen? Uh, then you have, you have, you become an immortal. Yeah. It, then you become an immortal. You go through life after life after life. Samsara. In Buddhism, if you want to have to be an immortal, just don't do anything. Just follow your feelings. You are an immortal already. Because you are assured, life after life, you go through samsara. Uh, the only trouble with that is, you don't always get what you want. So if you are okay with not getting, not always getting what you want, you are already an immortal. Don't have to go to that. <laughs> Next, Senjie. So, uh, we, in our translation, we use the word supreme understanding. <coughs> supreme understanding. Yeah. So, mm, before we go into the, the text proper, uh, the word sentier, our supreme understanding, um, has, has varying connotation depending on when it's used. So in some texts, when they use the term senjie, supreme understanding, it is with respect to supramundane uh, wisdom. Supramundane wisdom. Yeah. In some texts, they use the same, same term, but with respect to, uh, in a way, ordinary uh, samadhi or jhana. Yeah. In which case then, it is not a supramundane thing. Yeah, but we are going to stick to one common translation, supreme understanding. But bearing in mind that when it is with respect to mundane qualities, then it is not a supramundane achievement, although we use the word supreme. Okay? And in, for that matter, in some aspects of the application, uh, when we say supreme understanding, it means um, you cultivate something to the point where you know it thoroughly. Yeah, you have mastered it. In other words, yeah, but not in the kind of having wisdom and you have supreme understanding of things. Okay, oh. bearing in mind, then we come to this. So, Zen Jie. 
与决定境，应持为性，不可引转为业。So, uh, 与决定境。So in some scenarios where it's, uh, it's certain, yeah, uh, it does not have to be. Yeah. So, wait, sorry, yeah. How come this is outside here? How did this happen? Is the hearing okay? Or still okay? Oh, this one is quite good. Huh? How did this come out here? <laughs> okay. So, you think the the scenario or the uh, object you have uh, reached a certain uh, uh, understanding where, where you are quite certain about things. Yeah. So the nature of it is that it gives you that stability, yeah, that you don't waver. Oh. So uh, the function of this quality is uh, you don't just someone say A, then you go A. Someone say B, you go B. Right? It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it gives you that mm, stability. Yeah. Uh, so this is the part that is interesting, huh? Ji Yu Xie Jiao Xie Li Xie Zhen Dan Li. So this is the first category. Yeah. Huo Yu Zhen Jiao Zhen Li Zhen Zhen Dan Li. Huo Fei Xie Fei Zhen De Jiao Li Zhen Suo Yuan Li. Okay, so let me explain. So, ji yu xie jiao. So, uh, the word xie, uh, how do you translate xie? Most people say evil. Kao uh. <laughs> Yeah, xie jiao. Xie jiao, uh, so, so, the two words are xie gen zhen. Xie and zhen. So if we say uh, one is evil, the other, the other one could be good, yeah, good and evil. So but the word zhen, so we, we went through many rounds of translation. Uh, not this text, but other texts also have these terms. So xie and zhen. Uh, one option we used was right and wrong. Yeah. Then we feel that wrong doesn't quite convey the message. Yeah. But if zhen is right, then this is wrong. Huh? Yeah. But then we realize that zhen is more about being righteous. Yeah. Uh, so xie is unrighteous. Yeah. So that's one approach. Uh, but in some part of the text, we use evil. <laughs> yeah. Or the word deviant. Deviant. Yeah. Oh, deviant. Yeah. <clears throat> So here, xie jiao, you can consider it to be anything that is deviant from the the uh, the one that is considered to be right. Yeah. Uh, for for now, let's just use this, uh, because there's some implication here that I want to touch on. Okay. 
and it's related to the term Wai Tao. Yeah. So orthodox versus heterodox. Okay, I want to touch on this. So for now, let's just find. Let me let me just use the term. Let's say deviant. Okay, deviant. Yeah, I think we use deviant also. The deviant, xie jiao. So uh, deviant uh, religion or different deviant group. Okay. Uh, then xie li. So the teaching. So within this group, within this this uh, religion, they have their own teaching. Yeah, that is deviant from the from what the Buddha taught. Okay, um, then from this group, there are those who cultivate according to the teachings, and then they also have attainment. They also have their own experiences and realization. Xie uh, zhen. So it's not just Buddhism that has teaching and all that, but different groups have this. So here it says, Because of these different categories. And then, 等, uh, So not, not limited to this. Yeah? Because in other texts, then it talks about, yeah, So deviant teachers who give you ideas. Yeah? All these are different uh, forces. Mm. Different forces that uh, may may sway you this way or sway you that way. Yeah. Uh, take for example. Uh, do you all know that? Uh, have you heard of that? You cannot chant certain sutras at night. Have you heard of this? How many of you have heard of this? Uh, some of you have heard of this. How many of you actually subscribe to this idea? No pressure, no pressure. It's okay if you. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm glad that none of you subscribe to it. Yeah. Now imagine if, if since day one, the only form of Buddhism you have heard of, actually says, cannot chant at night. Then most likely you're gonna think that that is the correct view. Then after 10, 20 years, then you come to Buddhist library, then you hear Sufu say, that is not correct. Then you'll be like, hey. Then to you, you may think, Chuan Quan Fa Si Xie Shi. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is one thing that is a bit interesting. A bit interesting. Because um, here when we say Xie, if you use evil, then it means that from a, a certain angle, uh, some people some people feels that it is a bit politically incorrect. Wow, you say that yours is the righteous one. That is evil. Even the word deviant, not so nice. Hey, interfaith harmony, how can you say that? <laughs> yeah. In Chinese, the term is wai tao. Yeah. And it basically translates to heterodox. Heterodox, wow. Maybe, maybe it's quite a chin word, yeah. But it basically also means deviant, yeah. The correct path, and then this is outside of the correct path. So, um, why are such terms used? Yeah, this is a commentary, but if you look at the Pali Canon, you look at the various uh, sutras. The Buddha uses such terms also. Yeah. 
So, um, what is the basis for using such terms? It is basically um, with respect to the path that the Buddha has discovered. Any path that don't point in the same direction is different. No? Yeah. Take for example, uh, some of you come here through Uber. Some of you take a cab. Some of you take a bus. Uh, did uh, I, I, I'm going to just assume that all of you came from work. Some of you came from home. Did everybody? Um, did everybody from your workplace come for class here? No. Correct? Did everybody from your workplace come to class here? No, right? This one makes us understand. Can understand what I just said? How can I draw a blank face here? All that. No, no, no. Think simple. Everybody in your workplace not all of them came for class, right? So they would have took different buses or car or whatever, most of transport, and went to different places. Correct? Yeah. So uh, you would say that they have gone to different places. Mm. So to the extent that is different, then to the extent you could say that in a way it is deviant. Deviant from where you are going. Yeah? Now, if you took a grab car or grab cab, and then you say go to Lorong 24A, and then he, he, he go and drive to 35 or let's say 27A. Is that 27A? I don't know. There is, huh? Okay. Then, is that correct? It would be wrong. But if one day you want to go to some Buddhist center in 27A, then he drive you to 24A. Then, on that day, Coming to 24A is wrong. Yeah, so in this, from this angle, we can understand why it's called xie jiao, xie li, xie zhen. Simply because it's different from the path that the Buddha discovered. But second point, at most you can say that it's a different path. Yeah, deviant usually means that uh, is deviant doesn't just mean different. Deviant means you are different from the right path. So, what is the basis for that? Basis is that on the basis that you subscribe to the Buddha's teaching as the path that can lead to enlightenment. This part is a bit tricky. Need you all to think through. If you subscribe to the Buddha's teaching as the path that can lead to enlightenment. Okay? Then, um, and he he described it in such a way that, well, if other path don't remove defilements, then suffering will still arise. That's how the Buddha described it in no uncertain terms. What is the first noble truth? Huh? How come got so many different versions? <laughs> What's the first noble truth? 
I heard life is suffering. Sumimasen. <laughs> wrong, huh? I, I was just saying that it is wrong. Life is suffering is not the first noble truth. Not your fault, but the fault of many books. Yeah, a lot of books write down first noble truth, life is suffering. The Buddha didn't say that. The Buddha declared the first noble truth of suffering. He was elucidating the truth of suffering. Everybody knows that there's suffering. Before he, uh, he, he even become uh, an ascetic, everybody knows that there's suffering already. What he was elucidating was the truth of suffering. What was it about suffering that we didn't see? What, we, what didn't we see? If, if now Sifu, or this plastic, okay, but even though it's plastic, it is quite solid. Do you think it will suffer if I smash this into your head? How many of you don't think it will suffer? <laughs> but imagine, okay, imagine, okay, thought, thought experiment. Imagine if Sifu go to each of you and then give you a good smack. Okay? Um, everybody can agree that that is suffering. Isn't it? Yeah? So, the Buddha also highlighted that this is one kind of suffering. But now, um, if it is uh, something pleasant, because this is painful, if it's something pleasant, do you find that it's suffering? When you meet a, a good friend for a cup of coffee, yeah, do you find that it's suffering? Yeah. Especially if you enjoy the company. Okay? Do you find that it's suffering? Nobody finds it suffering. Ah, the Buddha elucidated why that contains suffering. But he don't deny that the experience is pleasant. Huh? He, 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 in many places, says, yeah, there's, there's pleasure in this world. There's pleasure and the pleasantness there also. So, these two, first, suffering of pain and suffering of change, of, of, of loss. Pleasant experiences, when you experience it, no suffering. But when you lose it, you suffer. The third kind of suffering that he elucidated was neither painful nor pleasant experiences. How it is not constant. It is always in a state of change. And the change is uncertain. This uncertainty, uncertainness is suffering. It is the change of, uh, the suffering of this uncertainty of change. But you may say, but that covers the whole life. But then life is suffering, no? No. He didn't say life is suffering. Because if life is suffering, then was the Buddha alive? Yes. So he must be suffering. If he's suffering, he's not Buddha. He didn't suffer. He was pointing to that. If you don't understand these three forms of suffering, you relate to life thinking that oh, the first type is suffering, second type is pleasure, then you always run from type A suffering to type B suffering. And you keep on pinning all your hopes on type B to give you happiness. Then your, your wrong thinking is what gives you all your suffering. 
So he was elucidating to the nature of our suffering. How it's linked to your wrong view. And the cause, and that, that brings us to the cause of suffering. The cause of suffering. Which is basically our ignorance, not seeing this, that leads to def- delusion. And then leads to desire for the second kind of suffering and aversion towards the first kind of suffering. Yeah. Delusion on the first, first type, the third type. Yeah. Then greed for the second type, aversion towards the third type. Now, this is just a recap. Huh? I'm sure you all have learned this before. So, uh, with this in place, then he, he, then the natural conclusion is, well, the real end of suffering is that the cause must be removed. Yeah, you must remove the cause before suffering can end. You cannot simply try to end suffering. You cannot. As long as the cause is still there. As long as ignorance is still there, suffering will find its way to find you. But once you remove the cause of suffering, which is ignorance, which is delusion, which is the defilements, then desire and attachment falls away. Then the whole mass of suffering will just, whatever that has arisen, will gradually go its way. So far, so good. This is just a recap. The first three noble truths. Without going to the third, fourth noble truth yet, if you can agree with this, and let me tell you something very interesting. These three, the first three noble truths, even non-Buddhists agree with. <laughs> you know, in many interfaith talks, I share with them about this. If I don't tell them that it's the Buddha's teaching, I just share with it with them as it is, they all agree, yes, yes, yes. Then I ask them, does this apply with respect to men or women? Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I even went through the, the, the part of the eight different kinds of suffering. And they all readily agreed. Then I said, uh, you will agree that this doesn't matter whether you are Chinese, Indian, Malay, or Eurasians, or Amor, or whatever. Yes. You will agree that this applies even whether you are Buddhist, Christian, Taoist, Hindu, Sikh, and all the ten major religions. Yes. It's because this is the, this is the, tru- this is the fact of life. Yes. This is the, the truth of our human experience. Yes. And I click to the next slide. <laughs> That's why it's called the first noble truth. Yeah, then it's subsequently the second version. <laughs> now, you see, so the first three parts is something that even non, so-called non-believers can agree to. So, that being the case, if now somebody established something, I'm not talking about just the label. I'm not talking about just, oh, it's called a different religion. What you call the religion doesn't matter. Even if you have a group that you call Buddhism, but it doesn't elucidate to this. Then that is not Buddhism. Then that is called heterodox. That is called deviant path. That is called Wai Tao. Why? Because it, it deviates from the truth. <laughs> yeah? yeah. Because the first three noble truths, you, you cannot refute it because it's not a belief. 
is the fact of life. It is on this basis that the Buddha makes declares the lion wrong. This is sacha. This is the truth. And that's why we, we can say not simply because oh this one not, not Buddhism so it's evil so it's deviant no yeah. we have this basis yeah. so first is the deviant ones the different deviant religion or group the deviant teachings within the group and, then, and those who cultivate and then have the attainment. Yeah? But that's a word, tang, etc. Yeah? So it includes the company of those who cultivate in this way, the teacher who cultivates in this way, and so on. Yeah? The whole, whole thing together, it, it, it represents a certain force, driving force. For deviant path, different de- deviant teachings, there's a force. For the right path, the right teaching, there's also a force. Then, So, then there is the, the others that is neither this nor that. Yeah, you could say that that is the worldly one. Uh, you can say that that is the worldly one. Not the right path, not the deviant one. Yeah, uh, you could in a way, say, okay, the worldly path is the neither. <coughs> then what happened? Yu Shuo Chu the Jing Xiang. Shen Jue Ying Ke, Shen Jue Ying Ke, So, uh, through, through those forces, yeah, whether it's through the deviant path and so on, or the right path and so on, or through the worldly path and so on, then with respect to whatever you encounter, with respect to all this, so very, very thoroughly, you come to a, a, a decision, a conclusion. So you have accepted. Not so. It's not just saying, mm, yeah, sounds reasonable. But you, you have uh, spent some time and thoroughly went through it, and then, mm, okay, yeah, you have accepted. This makes sense. Yeah, you ask questions, and then uh, whether out of these three, they give you a mm, reasonable answer. Then maybe through through that, you yourself go and experience it. Uh, then you may also. Yeah. Yeah, so then you can sustain uh, sit subject matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is an example that has some context. Uh. See, this is wood but not stone. Yeah, of course, if it's wood, it's wood, it's not stone. Uh. Yeah, so what is the implication? So uh, this is wood, huh? Is this wood? This plastic, this wood. This is formica. Uh, okay, just bear with me. Uh. Imagine this is really wood, huh? Okay, we know that this is formica, but it's designed to make it look like wood. So wood. So what is this? Wood. Is this stone? 
How do you know? Because Sufu says so. <laughs> but let's assume that this is really wood. So if someone asks you, is this wood? I say yes. Is this stone? No, this is not stone. How do you know? You you cut law, you can see it's wood. Ah, to that level of certainty. Yeah, the example given is is very trivial. Uh, wood is wood, la, not stone. You just you know you just feel it, you touch it, you know what? Ah, it's to this degree that with respect to the deviant path or the right teaching or the worldly teachings, uh, you have that certainty. You have that certainty. Then what happened? <coughs> So, when you have reached the point where you are so certain about said teachings, then uh, to the point where you see it as clearly as this is wood and not stone. <laughs> so, in future, you just remember this wood and not stone. Yeah. You, 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 maybe one day you ask yourself, Listen to the earpiece and see. Is there any more interference? No more. Okay, very good. Yeah, this Okay, so, So, if you can reach this point, then through the, through the, the clarity, the the. Here,神觉 uh, is more about coming to a very definite conclusion. Yeah, ink, very thorough, uh, uh, impre- uh, thorough uh, acceptance. Yeah, through supreme understanding. Then what happened?即使有不同的差别见解，也不能另行牵呃这个叫这个牵呐，牵引啊，是吧？ Yeah, so even if you encounter uh, some some understanding that is different, yeah, some different differing views, you will not easily waver. Yeah, you will not easily waver. 
令心对以肯定的事再升起疑惑。嗯、then with respect to things that you have already have、uh, certainty, you will not easily give rise to doubt、yeah, or, or confusion. So, <coughs> in the in the Buddhist path yeah, or in the Dharma,、uh, everybody must go through this path. Yeah, I mean, basically, go through it yourself. It doesn't. It it, it sometimes gives people the impression, wow. Very lonesome path. One satu orang walk along the, you know, dark path. Wow. Oh, I don't know what happened. You know, wow, very scary. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't mean that.、Uh, it it just means that you must、uh, go through this process and reach the point where you experience it. You have penetrated to that degree, to the degree you can penetrate into the teachings, then to the degree that you can have that certainty. This is related to faith. This is related to faith.、Uh, if you don't have this supreme understanding, hard to have strong faith. You may have faith, but it is. Easily broken.、Uh, <clears throat> so in Buddhism, we have、um, we have different attitudes and approaches to faith. There are those who base it on feelings. You go to a center, or、oh, the whole environment feels very serene. Ah,、oh, then you have faith. Go to a center. You see the Buddha. Wow, very big. Wow, makes you feel very in feel in awe. Then you have faith. You、uh, you listen to a puja. No, not puja. Chanting. Yeah, puja. Chanting. Wow. Then you hear the chanting.、Uh, feel very touched. Yeah. Feels very religious.、Uh, then you have faith. It is also faith. Not that it's not faith. Ah.、Huh? Yes. Can I change to just one channel to make yours?、Uh, Mine is A. That means yours just. Any more battery? All changed out already. Yes. Oh, so that's it. Well, can't can't. Let me see. So the the side pocket battery also take out already. Yes. Two pockets. Oh, but the other side. See whether because I just put in. The green color battery today.、Uh, you try the green color battery. The the, the side side pocket, not the inside side、oh, pocket.、Yeah. Ah. The other side. Yeah. Hi.
You, you hear people go for certain, let's say, uh, ceremonies or puja, and then they'll say, wow, do you see the lotus? Do you see the rainbow? Yeah, the light in the sky? Do you see Kwan Simbusa floating in the sky? Yeah. I've, and some devotees actually show me the photo, you know. Then, yeah, not to discourage you, uh, but if you ever have photo, you also can show me. Like, I'll try. <laughs> so they show me the photo. Show me, then I... Where is Kwan Sing Pusa? <laughs> Maybe I don't have enough wisdom. I cannot see, you know. Then I say, no, 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 this side, this side. Oh, oh this side. Then I look here. <laughs> but where is Kwan Sing Many times, such photos require you to think in a very convoluted way. <laughs> then, oh, this is the head, this is the, yeah. So a lot of it is our own wishful thinking. Yeah. Then there are those who went Photoshop one simple onto the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most hilarious one. <laughs> then the best thing is that. Then some people even say, wow, wow, this <laughs> Then some people even interpret that as real. Well, that's the best thing. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, say, I say this not to, not to laugh at people. Uh, although <laughs> but um, having faith in this way, um, it it creates a false sense of of certainty, yeah, and it it mis mislead people to hold on to the wrong thing, to to veer towards the wrong thing. Those who pursue this, they end up spending a lot of time looking for this kind of signs of auspiciousness. So then if you they go for a Dharma talk, like you all attend for a class for so long, you all see any lotus around? <laughs> the only thing you see is the, the white light, the yellowish white light. You don't see lotuses. 
Let me tell you, if you want to see lotuses, it's very simple. Just go to google.com, search lotus. Then you click images, you see a lot of lotuses. Yeah? You want to see the colourful clouds, you just type iridicious or something, clouds. You see all the coloured clouds. Don't have to wait for some special puja to see. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, how many? Oh, oh, yeah. Sometimes I forget I say this first. I'm supposed to ask you all first. How many of you have seen this kind of clouds before? <laughs> uh, by now, when I ask now of you. Huh? Yeah, don't dare to raise, really, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe one of you want to take out and show me that. <laughs> yeah. But I will still say this. Uh, if you if you find it inspiring, continue to be inspired. Yeah. Uh, many students have shown me such pictures, and uh, the, and you know sometimes they say that they are light ops. Yeah, light ops. I think I mentioned in one of the class before, in some class before. Uh, do you notice that there are more light ops in India? than in Singapore. You know why it's light ops? Sometimes during some religious uh, events, they take pictures. What then they see a lot of con- concentric circle, you know, of, of lights. Yeah, They call it light ops. Yeah. Do you notice that there are more light ops when, when pictures are taken in those puja in India than in Singapore? Ah, they say because over there is more auspicious. <laughs> so more Dharma Guardian appear. I suspect it has less to do with Dharma Guardian than to do with the fact that in India it's dustier. <laughs> and that's why usually during puja you see light ops because a lot of incense being burnt. So there are more light particles that can diffuse light when they use flashes. Yeah, I, I went to do some research into this. So even non-Buddhists are researching into this. So one of the common things that they do is that they manage to reproduce light ops by controlling the, the, the amount of, of uh, dust particles. <laughs> and then the best thing is they say a certain particular brand and of camera will produce a lot of light ops. And it has to do with the timing of the flash. <laughs> yeah, the timing of the flash. You know, some of the cameras, right, when you take, you always have the, the red eye. Uh, so some, some cameras, they correct the timing so you don't get the red eye. So those that didn't correct red eye, you get a lot of light ops as well. <laughs> now, of course, after I say this, Next week, a lot of you don't come for class, huh? But actually, next week, don't come for class. There's no class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the important thing about this is, to me, even if the light ops, light ops are real, that is some Dharma guardian and whatever, if you didn't benefit from the teaching, you didn't benefit from the teaching more. Correct or not? Like now, if you take a photo, then you see, wow, got a lot of light ops. Then does it make what I just explained more real? Then you take, no light ops. Yeah. In fact, when you take a photo, light ops all over, but here no light ops. <laughs> <laughs> then what does it mean, you know? 
Yeah. If if it is the truth, it's the truth. So how do we know it's the truth? Is there a room for faith? Actually, in Buddhism, there is a room for faith. But it is as I I would often explain about lift. There's a lift here in Viyang. You go out, there's a lift. Now if Sifu tell you that the leaf is broken, how many of you will take my word for it? One, well, not bad in this class, quite a few. Huh? How many, how many race? Like, <laughs> well, then all of you compelled to raise your hands. How many of you will not take my word and will disagree that the leaf is broken? One person, I watch out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I know him for many years already. That's why I can see it, play this joke. <laughs> now, how many of you are sitting on the fence? Not so sure. Some of you are not so sure. Mm. So the first one, uh, we usually can see that oh, this is faith, yeah. Because if you say so, then you you accept it. It's faith. The second one, we usually think that it's not faith. Actually, it's also faith. I said that the faith is not in Sifu, it's in yourself. <laughs> the third one is doubt. Yeah. So, both have component of doubt and faith. Yeah. Initially, when we learn about the Dharma, it is some parts you can verify, some parts is on faith. But the difference in Buddhism is you need to and you can verify as you proceed. So after class, if you want to walk over and you check the leaf, the leaf is broken. Ah, then you are, wow, it's fully high all. The next, then at the end of the class, before you check, I say, three, four, six, seven. So what does it mean? You all go and guess. Then after class, you check. Wow, the leaf is really broken. Wow, then everybody, hey, three, four, six, seven, magic number this week. <laughs> then Heng Heng Sui Sui really come out. Wow, next, ne- next week, even though there's no class, people queue up here. Yeah. Come and register for the next term. Then the, three weeks later, when the class starts, wow, full house. All come for the wrong reason. In Buddhism, after you have checked, you may find that the leaf is broken or the leaf is not broken. If it's broken as Sifu has declared, then it it affirms in you the faith in what Sifu has said. But not just about Sifu saying it, but about the principle in this case yeah, that was declared. Then when you see for yourself that the of course, saying that the leaf is broken is just a very trivial statement. But here, when we talk about the teachings, it is it is not simply about trivial statement. So when you hear the Buddha's teaching, when you hear it, you just have knowledge. Just knowledge doesn't mean that you have faith. So for many people, uh, the way it's delivered, who say it, uh, you have faith. On Facebook, or uh, if in class, who say, "Sensei," uh, or desire is like this, like this, like this, or uh, is like this, like this, like this, uh, you have this much faith. 
you go on Facebook, you see, Dalai Lama says, this is this. Oh, such a wise monk. See, exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah, this is. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is very natural, right? Yes, this is very natural. Yeah. So, uh, but if you were to, after hearing it, you can reflect and you have an understanding. Uh, then it's different. Then your understanding can give you a different kind of faith because you have sort things out already in your mind. But beyond that, if you even verify, then that faith becomes unshakable. Yeah? Here, since here, there are different categories also. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, when it has reached discernment stage, then it is the unshakable one. Yeah. With respect to different aspects, different parts of the teaching, as I mentioned right at the start, some are to do with ultimate reality, some are with respect to cultivation, some are samadhi and so on. So, different types. Different types. But all in, if you have reached that level of understanding where you you have that kind of certainty, as certain as if you are given a block of wood and you can say, this is a block of wood, this is not a stone. To that degree that you have certainty, then to that degree you have supreme understanding. Yeah. Then somebody come and tell you otherwise, mm. no, 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 my friend, it's not like that. Nian. Yeah, so this word Nian, uh, usually translated as mindfulness. It also has the meaning of recollection yeah, or recollection. In the in Chinese Buddhism, this term is especially uh, of in a way, importance. Yeah, nian. So, like, nian for nian jing, uh, and so on and so forth. So, it is to bring to mind the Buddha's name. Yeah, bring to mind the teachings. So, what is it? Yu cheng xi jing, ling xing ming xi, bu wang wei xing. So, with respect to uh, whatever scenarios, whatever objects, that you have uh, have repeated contact with, yeah. Uh, when you have heard the teachings once, twice, you you hear it a few more times. Then after that, you try to bring it to mind, yeah? Bring it to mind, and then as you do this, then what happens? The nature of recollection has this. Ling xing ming ji bu wang wei xing. Yeah, so. Uh, recollection causes the mind to not forget what has been, uh, what ha- you have come into contact with. Ding yi wei ye. This is the part that I find very interesting. What is the function of mindfulness? The function of mindfulness is to serve as a support, as a dependency for concentration. Concentration. So, uh, 
in the past how many years uh, in Buddhism there's this huge emphasis on mindfulness and talking about mindfulness equating mindfulness to vipassana to wisdom yeah that mindfulness is the end all be all um, practice you need to care about uh, yeah we have heard this is quite common nowadays everything mindfulness defilements mindfulness anger mindfulness just be mindful and let it go desire just be aware be mindful and let it go everything do this uh, maybe some people can do this we don't say that it's not doable but uh, if this is all you need to do then why did the Buddha teach so many methods and why did the Buddha basically put mindfulness as the factor in the Noble Eightfold Path preceding concentration and not just randomly eh? when he explained the steps he specifically highlighted that concentration depends on mindfulness to arise in Noble Eightfold Path it is like this if you look at um, the five roots and five powers yeah? same thing yeah. so this last tree is actually parallel to the five roots and the five roots so uh, the way uh, mindfulness is being taught these days is um, a little dif- different from the way it's taught in the suttas. Yeah? Uh, in the suttas, mindfulness is is purely just about bringing the mind back to whatever you are uh, focusing on. Yeah? Recollecting something. Yeah? Bring the mind back to something. Bring it back to something. That's, that is all that mindfulness is. The whole idea that, oh, desire arises, just be mindful and then watch it pass. Uh, does it work? Yeah, I must say that if you, just, if you are able to watch it uh, without responding to it, yeah, of course, anything that arises will pass. Huh? Yeah. But if as long as you have not removed the root of the desire, as long as you have not removed the root of hatred, today it arise and pass, tomorrow it can arise again. It can arise again. Now having said that, does that mean that those practices doesn't work? It works to a certain extent. If you can do this repeatedly, then the habitual tendency to arise becomes weaker and weaker. But the root is still there. The root is still there. Do not be mistaken. The root is still there. As long as you have not severed at its roots, it can still and it will arise. It's a matter of whether you encounter the right conditions. So in a way, uh, the approach that is quite common these days is in a way more like a band-aid.
but a very powerful bandit. Yeah. But if you stop there, then it's just a bandit. If not, then it's a very good supportive practice because when I mean, you do this and you keep bringing the mind back to a certain object and not uh, give rise to other agitation, then the mind becomes quieter and quieter. And that's why it forms the basis for concentration after that. Yeah, stability of the mind. But uh, we should not then forego all the other precious teachings that the Buddha has given on how to overcome various aspects of our defilements. Yeah. The Buddha gave us a whole arsenal, different tools. Yeah, so many different tools. Then we just take one tool, okay, just use this one. One screwdriver. Hammer? Yeah, I have a nail, I need to hammer. This one can. Uh, okay, I'm sure you can turn it around and hammer, but there's a hammer, that one, don't you? No, no, just this one is good enough. Uh, I have a, I have a Philip. I need a Philip screwdriver. No, no, this flat tip is good enough. Can can fit. Can at a certain angle you can fit. Yeah, don't have to. Yeah. So, ling xing ming ji bu wang wei xing ding yi wei ye. Nei xing shi shi she chi zhen chen jing ling shou guo de jing xiang. Yeah, so. 内心时时奢侈, yeah, so, 奢侈, to encompass, to sustain, to maintain, yeah, uh, to maintain what? 曾经领受过的镜像, yeah, so, uh, whatever object, whatever scenario that you have experienced before, uh, there are certain features to it. You repeatedly, 时时, constantly, Constantly uh, sustain that. Mm. You experience it, you maintain it there. Ling Xing Ming Ji Wu Wang Shi. As you do that, then it causes the mind not to forget it. In other words, the mind don't run away. This is the this is the the essence, the nature of Mindfulness. Yeah. So the mind just keep on coming back to something. Yeah. yeah. So through uh, the the force, the power of mindfulness, yeah, then it can give rise to what? Can give rise to right concentration. Mm. Uh, so again, this is known as the uh, function, function of mindfulness. And the bracket part, this is with respect to uh, wholesome or right mindfulness. Yeah. Right mindfulness. then leads to right concentration. So, uh, if you are very mindful of people owing you money, uh, you can be mindful also, but (coughs) 
then can you read to lead to right concentration? Cannot uh, because it will cause the mind to become more and more agitated. It doesn't lead and conduce to stability, which is concentration. So the the right mindfulness is applying the mind in a certain way towards certain objects, yeah, certain scenarios, certain objects. Uh, not just any objects. If you direct your mind, uh, and or rather you keep recollecting things that give rise to defilements, then what will happen? More defilements, more agitation. Yeah. Uh, but not easier. Uh, we we find. Do you find the breath interesting to recollect? Not so. Not so interesting. Yeah. Uh, Someone owe you five dollars? Oh, interesting. Yeah, but in this day and age, did did anybody borrow five dollars from you? Huh? Anyone borrow five dollars from you? When is the last time anyone borrowed any money from you? Uh, maybe not so common. Yeah, not so common. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, nobody can borrow money from you. <laughs> you don't borrow from me I still want to borrow from you forget it uh, ok uh, next week so today is the last day of this term so rightly speaking two weeks later then we continue with the next term but because the following week is I think we suck yeah, then it means that we have we restart after so two weeks break and then we restart then have a week break again so give you a choice do you want to just one shot becomes four weeks break uh, one shot four weeks break then start and then all the way uh, otherwise start then stop uh, it's like you are at the traffic light then you go a bit then uh, stop again uh, how? okay Probably break like, huh? just one shot, okay? Uh, so then I will inform Kuntek next week. No, uh, no, three weeks later, no lesson, okay? So four weeks break. That means five weeks later, then we have lesson, okay? Yeah. So just to be sure, uh, let's confirm the date, okay? So, 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 so. Where is the calendar? So today is the 19th. Next week is 26th, then is 3rd. So 26th and 3rd, there's no lesson. We are supposed to start on the 10th. But 10th is the Vesak day. Eh? Is it correct? Huh? So 3rd is Vesak day, right? 10th ah, is Vesak day. So 10th, we cannot have class. So we have class on the 17th. Eh, so how come how come I was told that we have a eh? So how many week break? Three weeks break lah, not four weeks lah. Huh? Wow, some people are quite happy, some people are quite sad. <laughs> okay, so next week is twenty six, we have a break. Third we have a break. Ten we have a break. Okay? So we'll come back on the seventeenth. Correct? 17th of May. Okay? Mm. 
So in the meantime, uh, some of you are already regulars in BL. Yeah, you can have your dose of Dharma. Uh, those who uh, feel like, wow, three weeks break, no Dharma, you will die of thirst. Uh. Then you can join us uh, on Sunday uh, for SGC. Yeah, the When you send me the, the text, I will put it into the SGC chat. Then you will see the weekly update. Okay? So any questions? No questions? Put our palms together. Yen